hello and welcome to the Better and Faster and Happier podcast. I am Nancy Ewan, and in this podcast, we discuss with remarkable people across different industries about the steps they are taking towards a better, faster, and happier organizational environment. So my guest today is Chris Lesinek, who is the founder and president of AVP. He's currently based up in the mountains, and it's great to have you here on the show. And thank you for being our guest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, so Chris, tell us a bit about AVP. What do you guys do? I'm curious. Yeah, so AVP is a consulting and software company. And we say that our vision is we are focused on freeing people from the obstacles of information management and maximizing the usability of data, mm. um, which is, is, is a rather broad charge. Uh, and, and in fact, it is. To put a little bit more flesh on the bones there, we do a lot of work both in areas of data management, preservation, and we work with organizations such as Library of Congress or Smithsonian Institution, JFK Library, uh, Paramount Pictures. Uh, all these organizations, although they're rather different on the surface, have common goals of wanting to do things with their data, right? And needing needing mm. some help in figuring it out. And that could be consulting help, or that could be software, custom software development, or it might be using some of the products, software products that, that we create. Well, thank you for giving that explanation. And I think when we see market trends or just in general, where all the different industries are heading towards, uh, there's definitely going to be quite a good chunk of work for you guys out there in terms of consolidating data and making sense of all of that. Yeah, yeah. There's no shortage of need and people wanting to do things with data. It's clear. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I'm curious, at AVP, or from your perspective, what comes to mind when I say better, faster, and happier organizations? Yeah, well, I'd say the, the first thing that comes to mind is I probably identify better, or I should say identify more with better and happier rather than faster just based on my own personality, I'd say uh, when you talk about better, the thing that comes to mind in the context of organizations and, and kind of the culture and environment that we create is that mm -hmm. at AVP, better is, I, I associate, I immediately think of continuous improvement, which is something that mm. is ingrained in, in, in our culture. And I'd say almost by selection and meaning that the people that that have joined AVP, I think this is a characteristic of, of people. They're lifelong learners. They're naturally curious. They're mm -hmm. um, really about doing better and being better always. And I would say that there is a shadow characteristic to that, of course, which is perfectionism. And, and, mm -hmm. and there's kind of a dark side to that that can be the thing that you work with, uh, making sure that you maintain some balance. So, And balance actually is where I would start to think about the term happier in my mind, yeah. I think in our environment, I would kind of say happiness to me immediately brings up thoughts around balance, satisfaction, but also like the ability to enjoy the, your colleagues, your, the, mm -hmm. your colleagues, both inside the organization and, and the ones that, that we work with every day. And I think that too, that happier is really critical. I think that happiness as I use that as a synonym for, you know, employee engagement and satisfaction mm -hmm. is, is, yeah. is today and will continue to be more so in the future, a competitive differentiator with organizations. Mm. I think we just see such a 
a fight for for talent out there that that organizations that are able to attract and retain employees are going to be the ones that are more competitive. So I think it's really critical. And Faster's, you know, I think to me, what I would do with Faster is I would think about that associating that with momentum and momentum is of course important, but, and I think also creating a sense of urgency. I think if we don't Mm -hmm. have a sense of urgency in the things that we do, that we can become complacent, that we are not doing our best work. And in fact, that sense of urgency can sometimes push us past that kind of shadow characteristic that I talked about earlier of, mm-hmm. of perfectionism, right? We need to just keep, we need to keep moving, can't be stuck by perfectionism. So those are the things mm-hmm. that I think of when you, when you talk about those terms. Great. So thanks for highlighting that and giving your perspective on these three, these three quadrants. So a couple of things that you mentioned that just kind of got my brain ticking was continuous improvement. I would see that as the buzzword of 2018. Everyone is putting it everywhere, but it becomes, it's great in terms of theoretical. And we all know the benefits of continuous improvement. What does that translate to in terms of the practical every day? Because it's one thing to raise out areas of improvements, but follow through seems to be really be a challenge for a lot of companies. Yeah, sure. Well, I would say it manifests in our company on a, on a daily basis as I think about our operations and and I you know at the individual level I think we we have people that continuous improvement manifests at the individual mm-hmm. level by people who are just everybody at AVP is is hungry to do better at the things they know and and learn mm-hmm. new things that they don't so you know as it, in our environment it's about people reading books going to mm-hmm. tech meetups uh, researching new things trying new things experimenting things and that is consistent across everyone is that it's not people don't unplug from their interests and love for what they do when they walk mm-hmm. out the door at whatever time they walk out the door they, they're thinking about these things because they yeah. love them and they're continuing to and they're not happy to just be the best at one thing that they do they want to continue to do things mm-hmm. on an organizational level i would say that it's about accepting and acting on feedback that comes up. Mm -hmm. So, and it could be something as simple as, hey, like for instance, at a lot of meetings, and I think this is pretty typical for some of the standing meetings we have, we have a thing where we rate the meeting at the end. Mm. And so what's everybody's, you know, one to five, how do people feel about this meeting? Yeah, It has happened on several occasions where we have realized that we've got kind of a a meeting that has evolved into a dud and and we need to rework it. So we say, Mm. all right, what do we need to do to improve this? Someone comes up with an idea. We experiment with it. We say, how's this working? And it's turned a couple of meetings that were our weekly stand-up meeting, we call it. And uh, a meeting that we do, staff allocation meeting that where, you know, those, those were really challenging, had become rather... You know, people were not we're not excited about going to these meetings, and we've turned them around to actually be really high quality meetings now. But in the big I really, ways, really, really like the idea of rating meetings. It brings that concept of continuous improvement into even other unconventional areas, such as just having a casual catch up and seeing, looking at quality over quantity. And sometimes right. we all know that meetings can become they can bombard your week. Absolutely. And Quality tends to go out of the door because we're trying to keep ourselves busy. Right, right. Yeah, and it's important to take that moment to kind of reflect and say, how was this meeting for me too, right? Before you move on to the next thing that you're, exactly. that you're thinking about. Yeah. But oh, we've that's went, great. Just on the bigger level of continuous improvement, I'd say I don't have any formal business training. This is not something that I went to school for. I actually studied 
audio engineering. And one of the things is, as we've grown as a company, uh, like many companies, it started around, I started the company around my area of expertise these days. Mm-hmm. You know, we do all sorts of things that I'm the least expert person in, and it's given me an opportunity to really grow as far as how to be a better leader, how to run a business, what are all the things that we need to be doing. And a lot of that comes from feedback from the team at ABP, who's just fantastic and and says, gives feedback, hey, I think we need to be doing something. And, you know, we need to be doing marketing, for instance, was a, we need to be better about marketing was a consistent point of feedback I was getting from the team. And, and you know, that manifest in this year is the first time we're really in a serious way approaching marketing outside of what we've done traditionally. Mm-hmm. So it kind of manifests at all levels of the organization from the kind of individual to some things that might seem mundane to big picture strategy and planning types of things. Thank you so much for describing that and giving some real life examples. Um, when you say continuous improvement, I'm sure the listeners will enjoy those examples and hopefully they can learn a thing or two from that. I certainly have. So on the topic of we could even go a bit deeper in continuous improvement if that is a recent success story, but we're always curious to find out in relation to better, faster, happier. We want to understand what are your recent successes as an organization? What have you guys achieved in those three areas or one of them? Yeah. Well, I'd say that there's a couple of things that come to mind. I would say one of our big accomplishments that's that's very fresh uh, because it just it just kind of came to fully realized kind of fruition um, in January was the launch of what I would call our first major software product as a company. So I mentioned earlier that we're in oh. consulting and software company, and up until this year, that largely meant that we we were consulting. We we do custom software development, and we have done quite a few what I would call kind of like single purpose or narrowly focused, like free open source tools that were more, you know, things that they were kind of pet projects, things that we wanted to do or a client we partnered up with and kind of co-invested on doing something where we saw a need. They were, but they weren't revenue generators. They weren't kind of larger endeavors. So, so launching this first major software product, I would say, is by the way, which is called Aviary. It's aviaryplatform.com mm-hmm. is the is the address. But but one thing that it spoke to as far as being better, faster, happier, like better in the sense, you know, from a business perspective, that it's about becoming a better company, building in some some um, stability. Which when we look at what you know, consulting, custom software development is very much like a billable hour game. Like it's a, you know, it's not scalable. There's there's a lot of great things about it, but there's also some challenges from from the business perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Bringing in a, another revenue stream for, that's scalable is makes us a better company because we 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 gain some stability, we gain some flexibility. But it's also made us a better company because we have learned a tremendous amount. We have, I'd say, it's caused us to stretch our mental muscles quite a bit. It has caused us to bring on some new expertise to the team, and it's got us working in ways and thinking in ways that, that just, I think, you know, build the strengths or build strengths that, that maybe, you know, we needed to, or that make us a better, stronger team. I'd say on the, on the faster front, we actually, before pretty much when we started to build this product, we all as a team read, uh, the lean startup, uh, the book, the lean startup. And, and, uh, 
that was, I would say, transformative in many ways in how I mentioned we had done lots of other products in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that we approached those with a we know best type of attitude. We, we, you know, we're the subject matter experts. We understand what mm. people need. And to some extent, we had some insights because our consulting does give us interactions on a day-to-day basis yeah. with the communities that we're serving. But we said, oh, we know, what, we know what we need to do here. We went out, we do it, right? And when you find actually through the Lean Startup, you know, there's things about building minimum viable product, about doing user testing, about mm-hmm. uh, pivoting. And when, I, when we read the book, I had some serious doubts about the resource intensive nature of doing those things, but also the time that they take. And what I've come mm-hmm. to find is actually, you know, these things make you faster because ultimately you end up at the ultimate goal, creating a product that people want and is useful to people mm-hmm. much faster than the way that we've done it in the past. So that's brought speed, I would say, to our work in that way. And happier, I think it's doing something new. Building, we think aviary is really innovative and creative. It's really fun to work on. So we all are really excited about it. And and that makes people happier. It's something that we couldn't have done five years ago. Mm -hmm. So it speaks to the strength of the organization in many ways. And it's just a different, I think it it, kind of triggers a different reward system in the brain. It's, it's, it's not better or worse than doing the consulting work that we do, but it's it's a different it's a different type of um, uh, response that just mm-hmm. feels good. So I think it's made us happier in, in kind of several ways as an organization. That's great. Thank you so much for that insight. Two things that really struck to mind was the did you get your team to get together and read this book? Because I'm really interested in how do you get a group of individuals to commit to read this book. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, the AVP team is amazing. <laughs> like the, I didn't really have to do anything <laughs> other it. than yeah. say, like, I started reading this book. I think it's really, mm. you know, I think I think it would be great. And the next thing you know, it's like, all right, let's get some t- dates on the calendar where we're going to talk about chapters, you know, one through three and blah, blah, blah. It happens, right? I don't, this is this is the, the group of really amazing, talented people that I work with. Oh, that's looks like a blessing in disguise, right? Yeah. No, this is great. So I'm assuming uh, it was somewhat of a book club where you would get together every few weeks and discuss aspects of the book or were you working on a project? So building this, the software that you guys were building in parallel to that. Yeah, both. I mean, that was that was cool because we it was kind of book clubish in the beginning because we didn't we weren't able to put things into practice, but because we were building something, we started we started to one, be able to put things into practice, but two, we had a shared vocabulary because we had all read the book mm. and we understood what we meant when we, when we talked about an MVP or or, or mm-hmm. aspects of user testing that we wouldn't have if only a couple of us had read it and the others didn't or something. So yeah, it was really fun. It continues to be fun to put into practice. I think that's, I've never really thought about that, but that is such a innovative way to put theory into practice straight away. But then by doing it with the team, it's like you're on the same wavelength as you're educating yourself about a particular topic. So yeah. that element of continuous improvement is applied in how you develop as individuals right. because you're also putting it into practice straight away. Right, right. Yeah. And of course, I interpret when I read something, I interpret it differently than someone else, right? So it challenges, you're able to to challenge assumptions and, and learn mm-hmm. from other people's perspectives and stuff too. So yeah, it was... I, if, I would be lying if I said I planned it that way. I would say it was a happy, <laughs> a happy and fortuitous accident. Mm-hmm. 
well, I guess they say those who, well, after this, they're going to say those who read together, stay together and build right. amazing software together. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that That's yeah. great. But thank you so much for even giving a really kind of detailed account of this, the steps you guys took to in your success stories. So what let's take it to another realm now. And that is really being authentic about struggles, because I think if we look at these three areas, they're really difficult to put into practice, especially when you're dealing with humans. And on top of that, you're dealing with a lot of them because your organization is growing. What are the things that you guys are currently struggling with? Yeah, I love that you asked this question because I think that we do not. One of my beefs with reading, although I love it and I read it regularly, but like reading things like Harvard Business Review or all of the mm. business books and stuff, you know, I I inevitably walk away from them feeling like a failure because I am not doing many of the things that these <laughs> people are talking yeah. about. So like, I, I mm-hmm. like getting real about it. That's great. Yeah, there, geez, there's lots of struggles. I, I would say if I, if I had to pick one to, to highlight, I would say at the moment it, it's, well, and, and, and for a while now, balance is, is one. And, and like, what's that, what does that mean in a business that looks and acts like ours, right? This is, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, and I used it as a way to highlight, you know, the kind of the continuous improvement that people don't turn off at, at five. And there's some advantages mm-hmm. to that. And in fact, in some ways, it's just a reality. Um, mm-hmm. we are a distributed team, right? You mentioned earlier, I'm in the mountains. I live in Wyoming. We have people all over the country, in fact, the world that we work with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So when you're a distributed team, you're distributed across time zones. You've cultivated a culture of people that are driven and passionate about what they do and, and love it. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, one of the biggest challenges is trying to make sure that people don't burn out. I have never once had the thought, are people slacking or something? It's always um, about trying to work with people on making sure that there's certainly time and a place to work hard and put in the long hours, but that it's not a habit, mm-hmm. that it's not formed as a habit. And people left, to, you know, you would often think that you know, we have a highly, you know, there, there's a lot of autonomy in our group. And you would mm-hmm. kind of think that there would be a natural balance that would come out of that, that people would self-regulate. But when you have a team and a culture that is like ours, that's not necessarily the case. And you really need to work with people because someone left to their own devices who, who works too much will work too much. And that will, whether you're giving them all the freedom in the world, can lead to burnout still, right? So I think it's about mm-hmm. trying to have real conversations about it as a team. Mm-hmm. And But I, I struggle with it. I don't know the right vocabulary to use all the time. I don't understand the parameters of the conversation because, of course, it's great we all get a thrill out of doing the things that we do and we all Mm -hmm. do end up putting in long hours, but it's really tricky to figure out balance. I think in a, in a distributed, you know, multi time zone kind of autonomous group that Mm -hmm. that's challenging. And in fact, that's what I would say in many ways, that's what brought me out to Wyoming. I, I I was in Brooklyn, New York for 20 years. My, my wife and I, Mm -hmm. she has her own company too, Coral and Tusk. And, we found that we were working regularly 16 hour days and it was not eventually it caught up to us and it was not the life we wanted to live, which led us to feel like we wanted to be kind of in a more remote, you know, natural, beautifully natural setting and uh, try to, as, as a way to try to start to kind of seek some, some balance and more fulfillment out of things. Mm -hmm. 
thank you very much again for for explaining all of that to me and by be, and being authentic and vulnerable as well. But something that is quite interesting because you talked about burnout, um, and it is something I see amongst several teams I've coached in the past as a scrum master and an agile coach, and that is the priority and the commitment that the business puts forward in terms of what they want to achieve. If they focus on a lot of things and not necessarily the, a few top priority things, I think that uh, unfortunately tends to create a cadence to results to people getting overworked because there's so much to do. Right. But I understand in a sense that you've mentioned a few times now, trying to find balance. So um, what I'm trying to kind of ask here is where do you guys find balance between getting stuff done, still being competitive in your market and be relevant and make money at the end of the day, but you don't want people to burn out. What are the little things that you guys have done to try and make that situation somewhat better? Because I think it's a continuous improvement content Mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd say that the, the number one tool in the toolbox is to have honest, open, frank conversations Mm. But but we can, you know, our brain can play tricks on us too, right? It's easy for us to lie to ourselves or to say and that you know, it's not a problem and it, and it is. So I'd say maybe some of the things that we do that, that help the nature of our, our company is being founded as a consulting company is that we track every, basically every minute we spend. And, and I've encouraged mm-hmm. people to not just do that for things that are billable, but let's track all of our time because it's actually become a really valuable tool at the end of a, mm. you know, any given period or trends over time, we can actually see where we're spending our time. And we can ask the question, is that the best bang for the buck? Is that where we should be spending it? Or should we be spending it in other ways? So we, we do a couple of things in the same way the company's budget finances. Mm-hmm. We, we budget all of our hours for billable and non-billable inclusive of professional development and going to conferences and and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, administrative stuff, everything you can think of. So, and and we don't budget 3000 hour years, right? We budget hours Mm -hmm. that, that are roughly 40 hour weeks, you know, maybe a little bit more. I think that communicates an expectation. And, and of course, the, those budgets are created in, in collaboration, right? It's not something that mm-hmm. not that I'm telling people you do this and they go off and have to follow it. It's done. So I think that creates an important conversation and, and we check on, evaluate and report on that monthly um, where we're at. And it, so it kind of forces us to get real about how we're spending our time and, and reality versus what we expected. And so it gives opportunities to have discussions about burnout and, and what are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do next month to make sure that you know, it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just try to try, try to create, break some patterns and habits that, that can be unhealthy there. Great. Thanks for answering my question on that. So this brings us to the last and final question of the episode. We're always curious to find out what tools you are currently using or are absolutely in love with when it comes to either becoming better or becoming faster or becoming happier. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say if you can call, I, I would say one big tool has been, uh, we've been working now for about six months with a, um, a, a business coach, a guy by the name of Jim Canfield, who wrote a book called CEO Tools, which speaking of tools, has lots of tools in it. And, and uh, mm. we've been working with Jim on 
on putting those tools to use a couple, I mean, aside from the, you know, coaching that Jim offers and he's awesome uh, as being a tool, the, a couple of the tools that we've put to practice that are in that CEO tools book that have been so great have been, one is what he refers to as a one page business plan. So back mm-hmm. in November of 2018, we got together with Jim as a group at a team retreat. We do team retreats three times a year where we all get together in the same place. And um, oh, that's great. And uh, we walked through the one page business plan and it's got your your mission, your vision, your values, your big, hairy, audacious goal. But then it's got also strategies, tactics, metrics mm-hmm. um, and goals. And we actually, you know, in the past, I would say this was something that I did, of course, with lots of input from the team, but I would go off, do it myself and come back to the team and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. And this was, we sat at the table and we worked on it together. And in an afternoon, you know, rather than a 40 or 50 or 100 page business plan, we we had essentially said, here's the thing, you know, here's our goals and here's how we're going to get there. Here's here's how we're mm-hmm. going to measure it. And and, and and here's who's kind of responsible or where the ownership lies. And then we, as a group, talked about what we, we've always had quarterly goals, but but Jim kind of brings a different slant to that quarterly priority manager, he calls it. But we worked Ooh. on like, what's everybody's quarterly priorities? And, and again, this is something that we had always kind of done in isolation. And, you know, people worked on it with their direct reports or whatever, but we actually worked on it as a team. And what was really valuable about that is one, the word priority, right? Because goals is something people can create a long list of goals, but like what's actually priority. So, and this was, you could have no more than five priorities for a quarter and you don't have to have five. But what it was, Mm -hmm. what was great was that one, you're creating as a team. So there's transparency, there's accountability. You understand how, what you're doing relates to what other people are doing, Mm -hmm. but you also have the proximity to the one page business plan. So it's in alignment, you know, it's naturally, in alignment with the thing that you've just created. So that brought, I think, a level of clarity and alignment to the team that has been really energizing and and, and has um, allowed us to, I think, work uh, a lot better and a lot faster and happier. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that people wonder about in a lot of organizations is, and there's not a lot of insight into, is how is what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis impact the goals of the company? Um Mm, and and it, connecting the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's been just invaluable. If I were going to throw quickly, and I won't ramble on here, speaking of faster, I'm sure no you want me to be faster, all. is um, just to go back to basics. I think active listening, uh, mm-hmm. humility, gratitude are, are some of the best tools that you can bring to the table in building a company that is you know better, happier, faster. I think those are you know, invaluable and maybe not lesser known, but certainly lesser practiced. I think you couldn't have ended this episode on a better and higher and faster uh, note, a message, I mean, but thank you very much. It was great to to talk to you. Great to get some insight about AVP. And I've personally definitely learned a lot of things actually from our chat and different ideas I'm going to try and put into practice myself. And I'm sure the listeners will enjoy this as well. So for those who are not new but are back, thank you very much for not getting sick of my voice and for enjoying um, the episode. This has been amazing. Um, And for those who are new, welcome. Um, This is a friendly, transparent, and open environment. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to comment, to to send me an email. My message, my email is always there in the description box below. And also, thank you very, guys, very much. Please don't forget to subscribe 
you can do so on Spotify or iTunes and make sure you switch on the notification sign so you don't miss out on any great episodes. Thank you very much. Nancy, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I can't wait to listen to the series. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, we're, it'll be good. Mm-hmm.